are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your here are your This is a capital. We have a little problem with our entrance and poop, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 134. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are back fresh from Balticon, bringing you news, interviews, and all sorts of junk tonight. All, all, all kinds of good stuff, yes. It's good junk, though. And man, we had a really good time. Uh, good time really connecting with some people that we talked to. Right, right. Uh, especially thinking John Moreau and... Mm-hmm. And then there was Paul Cooley, who I didn't really know till the con, and mm-hmm. I feel a little bit dirty knowing now. And uh, yeah, <laughs> if you heard any of his stuff, you'd understand why. Yes, yes, I, I feel like I need to go to confession. I'm not even Catholic. Sorry, there, Paul. Um, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, th- th- tons of other people that we met as well right. throughout it. Uh, Dave Robertson from the um, the Roundtable podcast. Mm-hmm. I love go out to hear Tim uh, James Keeling and his part of your book that I'm, I will listen to. I downloaded it, James, but just haven't listened to yet. Uh, and there's just a lot of other people that I kind of got into. I got a chance to talk to Scott Ziegler. Did you talk to Scott at all? I did not get a chance. I wanted to. He was kind of swamped wherever he went. But I, he was. He was a very popular guest there. Yeah. Um, he was probably the, the most famous person I knew there. And there weren't that many famous authors there that I knew. Yeah. I think unless you are a real avid reader of sci-fi um, – you know, you might not know a lot of these people. What they're really saying, Miles, is that you need to step beyond the Star Trek universe when you read. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> some may say that, yes. So, no, but no, I, I, there was a nigh lady there that I'm sure some of my listeners are going, hey, yeah, he, she's popular. And I, don't, I don't know. I think she's mm-hmm. not. But a lot of good people there that mm-hmm. we met. Sure. Nathan Lowell. We met Nathan Lowell. We did meet Nathan Lowell, yeah. So hope to have him on. In fact, we have an interview that we scheduled oh, good. Nathan Lowell and uh, mm-hmm. working with Merv Lafferty to, Merv Lafferty to get her on the show yet. And mm-hmm. Some good times coming up in the Sci-Fi Diner, that's for sure. Right. We're going to talk about some of our favorite moments at the con, right? Mm-hmm. Tornado the show. So we'll, we'll, we'll share that when we get there, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe that's about it. Well, before we get into the show, just a reminder that we do have a tip jar on the sci-fi diner podcast.com page. So if you want to come and you like what we're doing at the diner and you feel like, you know, we served you up some good food along the, the weeks, the months, the years, uh, come throw a few bucks in the tip jar. It, it would help. It helps with the bandwidth and domains and all that neat stuff. And mm-hmm. that, that, that gets involved with podcasting. And we've had a bunch of people that have done that in the past. And when you do that, we will read whatever message you want on the air, as long as it's appropriate. And if you want to, you know, wish someone a happy birthday, we'll do that. If you want to, just uh, we'll just read out and say thanks. We we like to give credit where credits due, and uh, sure. And so we'll do that. Just also a little side note as well: we do have the forums. So if you haven't been to the sci-fi diner podcast.com page, there's a link to our forums. And if you hate what Facebook's done with the timeline, it's a perfect way to get engaged with the conversation in a way that's a little bit easier to manage. Yeah, that's. I mean. Before timeline, I thought Facebook was very user friendly, but since then uh, I've joined on the bandwagon as far as hating Facebook. Yeah, but you know what? We were we were discussing this a little bit before the show. You know, one of the difficulties is that 
you're always on Facebook, and uh, right. it is uh, so. A lot of people still use this. I mean, we continue to increase fans, and we're thankful for those of you that have joined our Facebook fan page. And would encourage you that if you haven't done so, and you are a Facebook junkie, that you go ahead and do that. But we do have the forums for those of you that are not Facebook. Uh, you know, gr- don't gravitate to Facebook, and it's a place where maybe you can dialogue a little bit about what you're watching. Sure, it's still a place to go. And I need to uh, be a little bit more active in the forum than I have been. That's for sure. Uh, Me too. Yep. So we're back from Balticon. What else is going on in your sci-fi world? Anything else? I just finished watching season one of Game of Thrones. Right, right. And uh, what do you think? Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think it needs all the softcore porn that's in it. But well, you know, uh, uh, come on. Let's be real. What did you call George Martin? Um, I, I, all right, I'll say it. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure he's a great writer, but the guy's a little bit of a perv. Well, well I, I, who's going to disagree with you? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Um, and uh, in HBO, the perfect channel to play that up. He can do whatever he wants on HBO. They, they, yes. He can, and uh, believe me, they tamed it down from oh, the book. Oh, really? Oh, they yes, tamed yes. it down? <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so you should read the books because... Or maybe able, I shouldn't. <laughs> you, you're able to imagine a lot more, Miles. I, oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, you know, it, regardless of that, it's a well-written series. Well, th- it's addicting. I mean, uh, I, th- I could have easily just... You know, watch them one after the other, but because of things like having to go to work and stuff like that, I, I restrained myself. But um, but I know other people who after and Balticon was in there, you know. Mm-hmm. But other people, you know, as soon as season one came out on DVD, I think they, there are some that actually just watched all ten. Episodes. Favorite character? Oh, uh, Tyrion Lannister. He, <laughs> he is just hands down, baby, hands down. He he, he is just a riot. Um, you know, I, I know the Lannisters are kind of like the bad guys in this show, but. Uh, uh, he he he's just he's hilarious and I, I the man I mean well he's a dwarf so he physically does you know he he you know he so he has to rely on his wit you know you know his his ability, his gift for gab and uh, the fact that his family's rich to um, survive and make it in this world and he does it well and so it's 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 always interesting watching him and what, what what's going on with this guy and yet he genuinely seems to have. A good heart. He's a bit deceptive at times, but he. Yeah, I think. Well, there, there was the scene where he designed a saddle for um, the one Stark boy who right. ended up um, being lame. Brandon. Uh, yeah. So um, obviously, you know, you think he's, you know, um, there, there, there is a heart there. You're right. There, there, there is a heart yeah. underneath all, all that, whatever it is. Yeah, he's rough, but there's, there's something good in there. Right. So, um, and I think that's the thing that makes Game of Thrones so fascinating for me is each character, no matter how you look at them, have their strength, but they aren't perfect. Right. I mean, I, I don't. So I don't think I'm giving away any spoilers away. I mean, as far as what happens at the end with if you haven't the, seen Game of Thrones, skip ahead about a minute. <laughs> um, just well, I won't even. I won't even say. I'll just say you know what who you think the heroes are. And sometimes they'll have to capitulate to to think their own um, morals and ethics to to bring about what they what they think or what what they people have told them is the greater good. Yeah. And uh, um, so another character I like, um, Jon Snow. Um, you know, he continues to be an honorable man. The, the, this poor guy is just you know you know born an illegitimate child. You know it's not his fault. And, but still seems to rise above it all. Yeah. And so, um, 
but yeah, I, I look forward to when season two comes out on DVD. Yeah. Well, I have stopped watching Voyager. Okay. Not because I it, it's it, it's 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 just because I'm no longer running on the treadmill in the morning. Mm-hmm. I found I I was so basically for those of you that don't care about exercise, just ignore this part. But I I would get up in the morning, I would run an hour. That's when I watched DS Nine. Then in the afternoon, I would exercise again, and I found myself just being exhausted. I couldn't do both. And so I eliminated my morning run, but I can't get Netflix at the gym. So I'm watching stuff like, you know, Blade Trinity or, mm-hmm. you know, Blade House of Citron, which is terrible because Wesley Snipes isn't in it. And mm-hmm. and I I thought it was the third movie and maybe it was, but I don't know what the three movies are. Do you know what the three Blade movies are? It's Blade, Blade Trinity. And- Trinity is, a, is the last in the series. It is. Yeah. So was, what, I missed the middle one then. Right. So I don't know what that is. But. Well, did you see the first one? Yes, I think so. Oh, so, so you have seen them all? No, so there's, a, there's a House of Citron, but okay. that's not Wesley Snipes, isn't it? Okay. So I think they did another one, and it was terrible. I had to fit. I, I didn't it. know that. That's interesting. Yeah, I quit watching it. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you? I quit watching it a while. <laughs> so you didn't, you, you didn't watch it to the end? No. Okay. I didn't. That's what I mean by quit watching it. <laughs> okay. I did start watching the Columbiana. With Zoe's and Dala. Saldana, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So from Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a, it's a drug movie. It's like a drug and this girl, you know, whose parents are killed and she goes back and kicks ass and takes names. That's, sort of, that's what that movie's about. And uh, she does it and she's hot. And yeah, that's mm-hmm. why I watch it. <laughs> and it's good action. It's an good, action flick to watch. It's, it's a good treadmill movie. Okay. Good treadmill movie in my mm-hmm. opinion. So I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, before we get into the menu, just want to say thanks to Colin who continues to be our YouTube guru. We have a YouTube video he posted that has gotten over a thousand hits. I know that's exciting. Alison Scagliotti, our interview with her, has mm-hmm. garnered over a thousand hits, and so that's kind of a momentous. And many others in there: Michael Judge and Christopher Judge, sorry, mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like that. And we want to thank JP Harvey who gave us an iTunes review. Oh, thank you, JP. And so uh, we'll share that in the listener feedback mm-hmm. show, which you probably heard already because that will come out before this. Let's go into our menu tonight. Okay. What's on the menu, Miles? Well, we're, we're going to air our interview with uh, Keith uh, R.A. DeCanado. Long time coming. Yes, uh, we, we, we had a chance to talk to him at uh, Farpoint this past year. Uh, he's written lots of Star Trek novels, lots of tie-in novels, and uh, he's kind of doing more of his own thing now. Yeah, you know, we, we, uh, we were invited to a book launch party of his, mm-hmm. but uh, we unfortunately were not at Balticon when that happened. Yeah, it was the following Sunday. So. Yeah, so it was the Sunday. We were only at Balticon on Friday and Saturday. But. Mm-hmm. We have a new trivia question this week, and we've got some bad news for uh, Sanctuary fans, which Scott and I are. Uh, Sanctuary is not going to get renewed. Yep. Um, there's a new sci-fi show called Continuum, and if you're in Canada, you can watch it, but us poor saps in the U.S. Us, are going to have to wait. Us, you know, low Yankees can't do it. I know, right. and, and I tried. Um, so John, John, John Miro, it pays to be Canadian right now. It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a good excuse. And? and and Falling Skies Returns. Which Looking I'm forward to this. Very excited about that. Uh, movie news, uh, Men in Black is number one theaters. Uh, we're going to do a, a new segment. Uh, our, our well, we also book. have some Avenger news in there. That's it separate. They did a, Men in Black did unseat Avengers. We'll talk about that, mm-hmm. but then we have some Avenger news as well. Okay. Uh, and our, we have our audio book review, uh, uh, which Scott will give on John Moreau's uh, Tools and Means. So we're going to try a new segment here, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we, we listen to enough audio books or audio dramas that – it makes sense to kind of have this segment in here. I, it deserves its own segment. Yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. we've listened to enough over the years that we can easily mm-hmm. review it. Right. Um, in real science, we'll talk about mind-controlled video games. And this Ooh. week's twist, um, uh, so the Star Trek movies will be available on Amazon Prime 
and Amazon Prime is where you get you get f- f- free stuff on there as long as you've signed up and paid the, right. the yearly fee. And um, uh, costume Star Trek fans are poised to break the world record at Creation Entertainment's official Star Trek conventions in Las Vegas. Ooh, can't wait to hear about that. And our Sci-Fi 5 at 5, each of us will give uh, five things we liked about BaltCon. It was a drinking, folks. <laughs> <laughs> no. How much did I have to drink, Miles? I think you and I didn't have a drop of alcohol. No, neither did John, but he yeah. didn't need it. But he so, didn't know. He did not. <laughs> we'll save that for our five top moments. Right. Let's move into our trivia tonight. We have a new trivia, which is a pretty darn good prize that we're giving away, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So why don't you go ahead and tell us what is this trivia question? Did you want to tell them about the prize first? Well, the prize is um, – Listeners know that we, we, you and I had a chance to meet and uh, interview uh, Mr. Michael Hogan, and so he was gracious enough to give us a signed print of his, and so we're, we're going to give that away as our prize. Uh, the question, though, is um, name an actor who's, who's seen on, on Battlestar Galactica who's played two different characters, and, and here's a clue. It's not Cylons. So. It is definitely not Cylons. Right. Not silence. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and if they want to actually, if they know the answer and want to buy for this prize, what do they have to give us? Uh, they have to answer the question. Um, they could either email us or call us, um, and they, have, they know the code word. The code word is Dratus. It's Dratus. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Miles, for giving us this trivia this week. Let's move into our first promo for tonight. Our first promo is for. The Gamma Quadrant podcast. Mm-hmm. Now, you are a regular listener of the Gamma Quadrant. I, I am. Um, and a contributor, I understand. Um, I, I contribute more to the Delta Quadrant right now, but um, I, ha- I have in the past uh, to, to the Gamma Quadrant. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the Gamma Quadrant, they're, they're through se- almost through season six of uh, Deep Space Nine, and um, they, they go through the whole episode. Um, they'll talk about who directed it, uh, guest stars, um, even you know what they thought of maybe some of the costumes and makeup, but it's an awesome you know fan review of uh, of uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Awesome. Well, here's a promo for the Gamma Quadrant. Ever feel like it is hard to make friends with people from other planets? Tired of other races in the Gamma Quadrant pushing you around? The universe is a dangerous place. The Dominion can help. We offer mediation, protection. Ketracel White provided to every new recruit. Contact us via the iTunes store under the Gamma Quadrant, and one of our Vortas will be happy to send you an application. The Gamma Quadrant is the podcast dedicated to all things Deep Space Nine. Look for us at gammaquadrant.libsyn.com, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N, or under Gamma Quadrant at the iTunes store. the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Miles, we have some sad news tonight. At least it's sad for me. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm upset too. No, no question about it. I mean, we've had the chance to interview at least one, a couple of these guys that have been on here, but mm-hmm. um, 
This is uh, Christopher Heyerdahl we've interviewed. We have right. plans on inter- interviewing um, Ryan Robbins. Yeah. Ryan Robbins mm-hmm. this, this summer at, uh, at Shore Leave, and right. I'm sure I can uh, – we, we kind of set up an interview that never materialized. I really let it fall through the cracks. It's my fault. But uh, let's, um, let's go ahead and tell the story, Miles. All right. Well, so Sci-Fi Sanctuary will not return for season five. The sci-fi drama starring Amanda Tapping wrapped its fourth season in December. Um, the sci-fi-led drama led by Stargate alum uh, Amanda Tapping will not return for a fifth season, a Hollywood reporter confirmed. We're honored to have been a part of this incredible series. In addition to it uh, garnering unmatched devotion by fans worldwide, Sanctuary was a bona fide trailblazer, setting new standards with its highly innovative productive techniques, including a pioneering green screen and uh, – uh, it's spelled in capital letters, a red camera technology, and Emmy-nominated visual effects, said Mark Stern, president, Sci-Fi Original Content Co-Ed. Uh, it's been an amazing ride, and we look forward to our next project, The Man of Tapping. Martin Wood and Damian Kindler, the statement continues. Tapping took to Twitter on Monday afternoon to address the series fans and thank them for their support. To all the fans of Sanctuary Series, we love and adore you. Thank you for the love and support. Now it's a long, dark tea time for my soul. And she put the uh, – in. Uh, the, the colon and the, uh, uh, the, the parentheses. Face. The sad face, yes. Sad face. So Sanctuary wrapped its 13-episode fourth season in December. I'm going to miss Sanctuary. Right. And we um, – uh, Amelia Ulrup was another actress. We oh, that's right. Yes. yes. You know, it, here's the thing. This, the show was fun. Mm-hmm. It was lighthearted. But it's, there was a serious storyline. Uh, and you kind of ca- – I cared about the characters. Right. I mean it took a lot of our old myths and legends and – Brought them to life again in a, in a contemporary setting, uh, and so it, it was just a very enjoyable series. I mean, I came late to it; I was watching too much stuff at the time. But uh, I got the DVDs and watched it all. And then I was watching, you know, season four it was, as it was on TV. Yeah. So, so we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're bummed about that. So hopefully, we'll see. You know, I, I mean, um, something man tapping in something uh, something really cool soon. But uh, yeah, it just. Um, it would be nice if there was more sci-fi on sci-fi. That would be nice, wouldn't it? It would. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's move on then from Sanctuary. I will miss Sanctuary, though. And uh, let us know your thoughts on Sanctuary passing. You can email us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com or just drop us an MP3 file. Mm-hmm. You can call us at 1-888-508-4343. Are you going to miss Sanctuary? Let us know here at the Sci-Fi Diner, and we'll share it on the air. Well, so one show goes away, but we have a new show that just kind of broke ranks, at least in Canada. Right, where all it, good sci-fi comes from right yeah, now. Yeah, it does. And unfortunately, the good sci-fi is not coming here yet. But we did get some feedback in this. And I thought what we'd do is kind of uh, talk a little bit about the show called Continuum. Mm-hmm. And I thought what a better way to maybe kind of introduce this is, is to kind of uh, play the trailer and watch this trailer. So let's go ahead and do that. And um, – and we'll, we'll go from there. They murdered 345,000 people to kill 20. Of course, they deserve to be executed. Central, this is Cameron. I need backup. Says here, Officer Cameron. 
Respond one. I'm separated from my team. I need backup. This is an experimental encrypted frequency. How did you find this channel? Who is this? My name is Alec. Alec, what year is this? It's 2012. No, it is not 2012. What year are you from? 2077. You were not from 2077. seem to understand this is a crime scene so i'm going to have to ask you to leave you're law enforcement detective carlos Renegar, special investigation unit so keep you brought in a suspect last night male 30s red jumpsuit did you bring in any other suspects last night you say he's part of a gang a very dangerous one you can expect well-coordinated and violent criminal activity ruthless disregard for the law and some unorthodox tactics Hero, or if you're actually a little bit crazy, contract training for you is not going to hold up. Who the hell are you? I can explain. That's Edward Kagame. The leader of the gang? If they go to ground and blend in, I'm going to find them again. Five heavily armed gunmen don't just disappear. How can you be so sure? Because we're going to start it. Continuum. Premieres Sunday at 9. Okay, uh, I'm kind of hooked. You know what? Some of this has been done before, but if it's done well, I don't care. Um, I mean, um, criminals from the f- future time travel 65 years in the past, and, you know, and a, and a cop from the future goes after them. Any familiar faces in there? Oh, I, 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 at least two uh, I saw. Um, yeah. Well, there's a guy from Sanctuary, the, the, right, the, the FBI. Right. The, uh, the badass cop or whatever you right, call it. Right, And then we have the uh, – there was a guy from Stargate SG-1. Ray Tack. Ray Tack's mm-hmm. in there. And uh, and uh, I, I don't, didn't see her in that clip, but I know she's guest starring. Alexa Doig. Uh, she she was uh, Andromeda – from Andromeda and um, she's, she was in Stargate SG-1 and she was the doctor for the last season or two. And so she'll be making an appearance there. Also. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let me – we have a little bit of a news story that goes with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1.7 million Canadians tuned into the series on Sunday, the, in making it the number one scripted specialty drama episode this year. The numbers are in, and the future looks bright for Continuum. The wildly anticipated debut of the Showcase original series smashed a competition, reaching 1.7 million Canadians throughout its two airing Sunday night. The premiere episode garnered a viewership of 900,000. Two plus and four hundred twenty-seven thousand in the ages twenty-five to fifty-four demographic in its nine o'clock p.m. time slot, becoming the coming the highest single episode ever on Showcase. 
good for showcase. The Massive Premiere was the highest ranked show of the night across all of Cana- uh, Canadian commercial television for adults 25 to 54, men 25 to 54, and adults 18 to 49. With this record, Continuum claims the top spot as the number one scripted specialty drama episode for this broadcast year across multiple demos. Can he- Here's the basis of it. So you, you heard the trailer, but the basis is this. Continu- Continuum is a futuristic police drama starring Rachel Nichols from Criminal Minds and Alias uh, as as Kira Cameron. Is that K- Kira? I think that's what you say. Cameron, a cop from the future who finds herself trapped in present-day Vancouver. Good place to be trapped. <laughs> when a group of fan... I wonder if we're due, But uh, when, a, when a group of fanatical terrorists escapes or planned execution in the year 2077, they vault back to the time 2012 sweeping dedicated city protective services officer Kiera along with them. With unexpected assistance from teen tech genius Alex Sadler, Eric Knutson from Jericho and Scream 4, uh, Kiera concentrates on bringing down the terrorists before they can change the course of history forever. Desperate to get back to her husband and son, Kiara impersonates local law enforcement officer to expedite her investigation, forming an uneasy alliance with a new partner, Detective Carlos Fonegra. Uh, Victor Webster, who's from Castle and Melrose Place, filmed on location in Vancouver, continues developed and produced by Reunion Pictures in association with Shaw Media. Uh, so we did get some response. Hearn thought... It was okay. He's our token Canadian, right? There's actually we have a lot of token Canadians. But Hearn said, it's okay. Your typical time travel show, in my opinion. The cop angle and the gadgets are a nice touch, but not new, which is kind of what you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Hayes said, yeah, I have to say it's not bad looking as for the first show. Looks to be fair, but a meat to the plot line. Well, these days is uh, – well, little these days is new. So we know, uh, so we know it will be a rehash. Still not bad. Right. Yeah. So the question is: Is it rehashed always bad? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. If, it, yeah. if, if it's done well, it, it could still be good entertainment. Yeah. Lee Kem said, "Hey, this seems interesting. What do you guys think?" And again, when it comes to the U.S., I'm watching it. Oh yeah, I'm definitely uh, gonna give it a watch. So, yeah. And Jason said, I, "He's from the U.S." Said, "I just watched the first episode. It was okay. Not great yet. So that yet's important. Rachel Nichols is a good lead role. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Batchelder from Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV." podcast, you'll hear the promo a little bit later, said this was a good pilot episode. Mm. And I think that's the thing to remember, that this was the pilot episode. Right. So what happens when the series begins to develop proper? Who knows? But right. that's a good showing for a pilot episode. Yeah, I, I tried to see it on the website and said you can't see this, only available in Canada or something. Eh. It, so it, it, we yeah. need John, John Miro, we need your account. So, <laughs> um, but um, Radu did tell me that um, – you can get it on, on iTunes Canada. They're giving away the, the pilot episode for free. But uh, I tried. Did you try switching yourself to Canadian iTunes? I tried to open up a Canada, an iTunes Canada account, and it didn't let me. Ooh. Yeah. Darn it. Darn those. Those Canadians are, you know, they're tough. They are tough. Um, well, just a little bit of other news. We have Falling Skies. It is returning for a two-hour season premiere on Sunday, June 17th at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 8 o'clock Central. Are you looking forward to this? Oh, I'm very much looking forward to Fallen Skies coming back. This is going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you haven't visited their website, they have a digital comic you can get involved with. You oh, cool. Download and investigate it. There's also a Berserker podcast where you can find out what's been going on with John Pope. Oh. In okay. the interim. Mm-hmm. between Because remember, he kind of left the crew. Right. And so, uh, you know, what's been happening to him? Where has he been at? You can find out by listening to the Berserker podcast. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
They do have the first three minutes online. Should we, should we, we should play maybe that. What do you think? Why not? <laughs> what a great opening. It'll be a great opening to that. Oh, my yes, Yeah. Oh, yeah, to that show. You know, I loved it. When life hands you lemons, you blow its freaking head off. <laughs> Not very literary, but effective. <laughs> but, yeah, it's effective. Uh, well, we know where John Pope is, right? He's with the resistance. And, yeah, three uh, months later, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're still having success with that new ammo he uh, invented. Yeah, and Connor Jessup there. Are we interviewing him? I, d- I do, and looks like... Uh, his time with the skitters as um you know 
He's he's been enhanced in his abilities. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't you take the uh, next piece of news here? All right. Well, in movie news, we have some movie movie news on Men in Black. Men in Black shoot down Avengers at holiday weekend box office. Um, so Avengers finally forced number two after nearly a month at the top. It wasn't Loki, an army of otherworldly uh, Chitari, nor any other supervillain in the finally defeated uh, Captain America and his pals. A satiric adaptation of a 1970s soap opera and a big-budget action flick based on a board game tried and failed. Ultimately, it was another franchise with comic book roots that ended the uh, nearly month-long reign of the Avengers at the top of the box office as Men in Black 3 became the number one movie in America with an estimated 70 million debut over a four-day Memorial Day weekend. The third entry in the Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones franchise, based on the short-lived uh, comic book series from the early 30s, I mean early 90s, took in another uh, 133.2 million overseas, giving it a worldwide total of 203.2 million. That's not bad. It's not That's bad. That's not bad at all. Uh, box office uh, pro- prognosticators. Um, <laughs> Say that again five times fast. Yeah, prognosticators uh, had predicted a somewhat uh, stronger opening for the 3D film, which carried a reported uh, production budget nearly 250 million. Enthusiasm and nostalgia for the 1997 original about a pair of uh, uh, criminal alien busting special agents remains high, but the 2002 sequel was poorly received by critics who were a bit kinder to uh, Man Black 3, which added uh, Josh Brolin as a younger version of Jones' character in the time travel scenes. The first Man in Black made uh, $589 million around the world. Its follow-up trailed behind the $442 million. The uh, opening weekend for, for Men in Black 3 wasn't far off for Men in Black 2. Will Smith top-billed in hits like uh, Hancock and I Am Legend broke a four-year hiatus from the screen with Men in Black 3. Critics were not kind. The film had a 67% score on a review um, aggregator site, Rotten Tomatoes at press time, and audiences who saw the movie assigned a D-plus cinema score. Man Black 3 was able to do what uh, Dark Shadows and Battleship failed to do in recent weeks by knocking the Avengers to number two. The Marvel's uh, superhero team up, up flick uh, generated gigantic numbers considering how long it's been in theaters. The Avengers earned another uh, uh, $46.9 million over the four-day weekend and crossed the $500 million mark on Saturday, making it the first movie to ever do so for a, a total of $523.6 million. Uh, not adjusted for inflation, The Avengers is now the fourth biggest movie of all time by an Avatar Titanic and the final entrant in that Harry Potter movie franchise. Right. Battleship uh, sunk even further at the box office, dropping 57% to a number three after less than impressive debut last weekend. The blend of high seas action and sci-fi made uh, $13.8 billion over the holiday for a domestic total of uh, $47.3 million. Battleship ha- has made uh, $232.72 million overseas, but has earned even less and Taylor Kitsch's last film, notorious big-budget bomb John Carter, over the same amount of time in theaters. That's uh, that's probably good. But yeah, so uh, they're saying that it cost what two hundred fifty million to make, so it did not even make back yet. Right, it cost them to make it, but it probably will though. It will. Yeah. So that's a good thing. The fact that they're going to make their money back, they're going to lose money in this film. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty expensive film. Oh sure, yeah. And and, and it sounds like critics are not giving it uh, a lot of love. Yeah. Well, you know, I did look up uh, how, how much Avengers has to go to beat Harry Potter. Yeah. I'm interested in it becoming number three at least. I doubt it will catch up to Avatar and Titanic, but it's a good chance at Harry Potter. Harry Potter brought in $1.328 billion. Uh, Avengers, $1.305. Hmm. So it only has basically $30 more million to go, and it passes it. It very well could. I think it can. Yeah. I really do believe it can. And so I'm kind of excited about mm-hmm. that. So, 
Well, I believe it's time now for our patio book review. Oh, good. I feel like we should have some fanfare music into it, but we mm-hmm. don't, and that's okay. We used to have it for the uh, This Week in Trek, and I kind of bailed on it. I think it was worried a little bit about copyright concerns. Oh, or, okay. You know, so, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But patio book review, um, and this is kind of an ambigu- amb- ambiguous term, ambiguous term, I guess, because it's uh, we call them uh, what audiobooks or patio books or audio dramas. They all kind of fit the same book. Mm-hmm. But these are basically books that are done in podcast form mm-hmm. and typically are found free. And uh, Miles, you and I have been into these for quite some time. Oh, sure. One of our listeners, we, we need to thank, uh, got us into uh, the Leviathan Chronicles, and that started our whole journey there. Yeah, it did. It was it was insane. So once I mean, it was downhill from there. So, <laughs> uh, but. And what's great about these is, yes, they're free, but they're good quality typically. Many of many of these writers are investing a lot of money into making these as good as they possibly can. And as always, if you really want to support these writers, the way to do it is when they come out with a book or they give you the ability to pay for an episode to do to do it. Right. And that's, that's really it. Tonight we want to talk about uh, our good friend, and I would consider him a good friend after this weekend mm-hmm. uh, and even before, uh, John Miro, who you heard on this podcast. We've interviewed him about Enemy Lines and Asunder and many other things. And as recently is working toward bringing enemy lines to a hardcover status, mm-hmm. has just released the final episode of Tools and Means, an 11 episode story, which is pretty phenomenal. And so I want to give a little bit of review for it. Uh, I'm a huge John Miro fan, and not just because I met him, but because he writes some good fiction. You were a fan of Asunder, I know. Yeah, I really enjoyed Asunder. So maybe we'll talk about that one another time. Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk about Tools and Me, which I know you haven't listened to, but you did listen to the first episode. I have. What was your first impression of that first episode? Um, bit violent and not sure where the sci-fi element is. If you like violence, you will listen to Tools and Means. No, <laughs> so uh, just to give you – I'm not going to – we aren't going to play anything. We're not going to spoil anything too much. But he starts off with this brutal murder right. from this guy that's just a cold killer. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get the idea that this guy is looking for revenge. The guy's name, what, is Tom. He's his cold-blooded, calculated killer. But – there's more to it, to that. And he, and over the series of 11 episodes, you see this guy change so that he's not just cold-blooded, but there's more. There's more to there. Mm-hmm. And he almost rises to this sense of nobleness. But I don't want to – again, I'm not going to spoil what happens, but I just want to say that. And Claire, who is kind of the female – I don't know if you a protagonist of the story. And I wouldn't say that Tom's necessarily an antagonist because these, there's these – uh, there is a sci-fi element that comes in that's actually the antagonist. Well, I noticed in the killing that he was as vicious and violent as it was. He was in his mind; he was writing a wrong. Yes, he was writing a wrong. So, so, but Claire under kind of goes under goes her 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 own chain. They're fifteen minute episodes. You know, it'll take you three hours to work your way through it, and they go fast. And when they're done, you're like, I want more. And the good news is. John Miro has a second book coming out eventually okay. in this series. So if you like it, you can go. But some of the best character development I've heard uh, from him, and not that his other characters haven't been great, but some real good character development within this series. And it starts out and you're saying, okay, where's the sci-fi element? Because after all, John Miro always writes sci-fi. Uh, but here we are. Mm-hmm. You know, It takes a little bit to get into, but once the sci-fi element is there. Okay. And boy, it's just the beginning. Really? My question for John Miro is, I should ask him this weekend, do all his universes tie together? That would be a good question. That would be a great question. Mm-hmm. But 
Anyways, we had some uh, some news on real science, but I'm suggesting that maybe we bypass this story because I think we're going to run out of time here. So why don't we move into – I'll post this news story into the show notes about mind-controlled video games becoming a reality. So if you're interested in that, we'll post it. But why don't you take us into this week in Star Trek? All right. Well, this week in Star Trek, uh, there's some – Two new, newer articles on the Associates Communication website. So, I want to thank Chris and Charity for uh, uh, providing these. So, Star Trek movies head to Amazon Prime Instant Video. Um, in breaking news, Amazon announced a new partnership with Paramount that will roll out hundreds of hit movies to the internet giants of popular Prime Instant Video service. According to the press release, Star Trek will be counting among the hundreds. Um, no word on whether that will include all 11 Trek films. Also included in the list are Braveheart, Top Gun, Italian Job, and Force Gump, just to name a few. We are uh, continuing to invest in building a vast selection for Prime Instant Video and are excited to bring Prime customers some of the, the most uh, renowned popular films in cinema history. And under the new agreement with Paramount, said uh, Brad Beal, Director of Digital Video Content Acquisition for Amazon. This deal will bring Prime Instant Video customer hundreds of new movies to enjoy on the Kindle Fire on any device connected to the Amazon Instant Video. Including titles such as uh, Star Trek, uh, Breakfast Tiffany's, Top Gun, The Italian Job, and uh, The Truman Show. And we'll remain uh, committed to adding even more great movies and TV shows to Prime Instant Video in the future. You know, Miles, you can never say Breakfast at Tiffany's without me thinking of the uh, big, the Deep Blue Something song. Oh, okay. So, I care. What about Breakfast at Tiffany's? Yes. Yeah. yeah that's, that's all I think. Whatever. That's, that, that's, that's what I hear in my head, too. Yeah. But, anyway, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to broaden the audience of track. It, it shall. Uh, I mean, I, Netflix has. I mean, you watch any of the TV series, and I think some of the movies uh, on there. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's that, that's going to be good. I mean, um, I was not when we were doing our, our uh, Star Trek Wrath of two, uh, Wrath of Khan rewind. Um, I wasn't home, so I didn't have access to my DVD, so I actually had to rent it off Amazon. But uh, now it'd be nice to it'll be available on Amazon. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right, and we have a world record in the making, I hear. Well, they're trying to do this again. So costume Star Trek fans are poised to break the world record at Creation Entertainment's official Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. And this comes from Chris and Charity, right? Yes. Uh, so um, it's that time of year again when the, when granddaddy of all Star Trek conventions quickly approaches the place where everyone knows your name. Uh, not cheers. Uh, Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, Creation Entertainment's official Star Trek convention, Las Vegas. The one place on Earth where you can hang out with all your Trek friends and family, see four out of five Trek captains, and play Trek slot machines. Not only will William Shatner, Avery Brooks, Kate Mulgrew, and Scott Bakula be attendants, but over 70 Star Trek celebrities will beam in for the four Four full days of awesomeness. It's been even new and probably attended the Guinness Book of World Records certified the record for the most people in Star Trek costumes in one place was broken during the last year's Vegas Con. 1,040 of you gathered and, and smashed the pre- previous record. This year, Creation Entertainment is setting a, a time and place to break the record yet again. Coming in, coming in costume really adds to the fun, and we want the world's record as made in, in Vegas to stay in Vegas, says uh, Aaron Ferries, of, uh, VP of Creation Entertainment. Cosplay is a big part of the fan convention going last year. We had many attendees coming in different costumes each day. The Guinness Book of World Records attempt to take place on Saturday, August 11, 2012, at the Las Vegas official Star Trek convention. All ticket attendees can participate, provided they come in full costume. And you can get more information by visiting the Star Trek Las Vegas convention website 
uh, and, and check out the official press release. And we'll include that press release in our show notes mm-hmm. if you want to see it. That's kind of cool. Yes, yes. Miles, when are you going to Vegas? I don't know. <laughs> Someday. Someday we will have to. I know that we have a free room there, it seems like, mm-hmm. if we want to uh, you know, hit JP up for it. But I don't think I, you know, three conventions this year, that's going to be pushing it. Yeah, yeah. But so, um, hopefully hopefully, uh, Mary could, uh, could join us and let us know. You know, I'm sure she'll be attending again. And Chris, it's always and Chris. Chris and Cherry will probably be attending again. So we we get them on and uh, we can talk Vegas Con. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe that is about it. Thank you for bringing us this week in Star Trek. My pleasure. And let's move into our last promo. And this promo is from a guy you heard about or heard from earlier when he t- commented on Continuum. And this is from Kevin Batchelder's show, Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV podcast. So if you want to know what's going on in the world of genre television, if you want to know who's seen it and who's watching it. That's Kevin for you. Right. If anything's out there that's sci-fi related, he's watching it. Right. Pretty well. Pretty well. And so this is a promo for the Tuning In Sci-Fi TV podcast. So ghost-infected Frank, he passed it on to the other guys, and I got it from his corpse. Right. Hello, Echo. How are you feeling? Did I fall asleep? For a little while. Previously on Heroes. You had to go and be the detective, didn't you, Matt? I'm not an aggressive person. But oh, man, there's just way too much on all I these like channels. Things, but only in game. Everybody lives, Rose. Just this one. In your dreams, Nutloaf. Bite my shiny metal hat. Sometimes I get, I get visions. Walter, what are you doing? What you learn? I wish there was some way to find out what's really worth watching. There is. What? Who? What was that? Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the viewer's guide to genre television. Where is that coming from? With its spoiler-free quick reviews and water cooler and the spoiler-filled in-depth back porch discussions, Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the only resource fans need to know what's on, what's good, and what's coming soon in science fiction and fantasy television. How did you get into my house? Join Kevin, Wendy, and Brent each week for the latest in genre television. I'm calling the police. Uh, you can find Tuning into Sci-Fi TV at TuningIntoSciFiTV.com. No, seriously. How did you get into my house? Well, welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Tonight in our interview, we are bringing you an interview with Keith R.A. DeCantito. Right. So uh, exciting times. We, we love Keith. We've had Keith on before. Oh, Keith, Keith's a great guy. And um, here's the thing about the time, that, this time that we're interviewing. First of all, we interviewed him where, Miles? We interviewed him at Farpoint. Yep, in a little room, mm-hmm. right? There's a little quiet room that we kind of pulled him off. And, and this was different than other podcasts. How so? Well, he's... Um He's, he's mostly he's mostly no, noted for his writing Star Trek novels, but he, he's kind of going in you know in his own direction now. And also Farscape, I think it's Farscape yeah. stuff. As he's well. written uh, for Farscape comics and, and tie-in novels. But now we have uh, he has like some new stuff out that is his own independent stuff, right? And so that's what this kind of plugs. Mm-hmm. And we hope you enjoy just a little bit more insight into uh, Keith Keith the Candido, Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit more insight into Keith the Canado, and we of course had a chance to meet him at Balticon, right. and it was always, it's always good to see him at a con. It is. Mm-hmm. If there's a con around, he's there. Right. It seems, seems like it at least. But he, he, he does make the rounds at the conventions. All right. Well, here's our interview uh, with Keith from Farpoint Twenty Four. 
morning, survivors. This is Todd Rage on the top of Kulshruck Mountain, and if the eaters don't get you, then you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. All right, so we are sitting slash standing here with <laughs> Keith already Candido, Decandido, depending on how you pronounce it, Decandido, Decandido, uh, and. Uh, we, we, of course, had you on the Sci-Fi Diner before, so it's like revisiting an old guest. And actually, I think it was Far Point last year that we sat down with you about some of the stuff that you've awesome. done in the past. But rumor has it, you are a man of many talents and stuff. Well, is one or two talents. One or two talents. Uh, <laughs> this happens to be right. And you have some stuff that's on the rise. And so, what is going on in the world of Keith? Oh, funny you should ask that. I've got, um, <clears throat> I've got a few new uh, books out. And um, I've, I've done a lot of media tie-ins, as you know. I've done a lot of Star Trek novels and Supernatural, Farscape, uh, Buffy, Serenity, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, especially um, Farscape, I think, is kind of... People know you from Farscape, the comic. Recently, yeah. Yes. Although that, that ended last November. Right, um, right. Or October, rather. And uh, the, the trade paperbacks are still coming out of that. There's still right. um, three more trade paperbacks that Boom will be releasing over the course of 2012. Very uh, good. That, that will collect the War for the Uncharted Territory story. And you also were a part of H.G. Wells, which is Parsec Award-winning H.G. World. H.G. World. H.G. Yeah, Wells is a dead science fiction writer. But this is not dead. This is zombie. Zombie. Yes. Hello, survivors. Although, although yes, zombie H.G. Wells might be an interesting thing to do, but that's a whole different. <laughs> anyway, but yes, yes, I'm I'm still doing HG World. I am still the voice, the voice of Todd Rage, and um, uh, that's that's still going. I'm still doing you know, the various podcasts, but um, uh, I've got last year I had three original novels out uh, that are my own universe, um, or in one case a short, sort of shared world universe. Uh, Unicorn Precinct, which is a se- the long-awaited sequel to my 2004 novel Dragon Precinct. Okay. Uh, we also reissued Dragon Precinct in trade paperback. Uh, I'm now doing it through Dark Quest Books, a uh, New Jersey publisher. Um, I got the rights back to Dragon Precinct, and we did, uh, and I did the sequel. So those two are out, and I just finished writing Goblin Precinct, which should be out in the spring of 2012, which is the third book uh, in the series. This is a series of high fantasy police procedurals. It's oh, Law, Law and Order meets Lord of the Rings. Awesome. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. And I, I had a lot of fun with the books. And, and, and people have been asking me for a sequel for years. Um, a Pocket Books wasn't really interested in picking up the series. They were, you know, they did the one book and they, they didn't, weren't interested in any more. Eventually I got the rights back, so then... So you, you say you got the rights back. What does that entail for an author? I mean, that you, a publisher has... It entails it. proving to them that they're not making any money off it anymore, which they weren't. Um, the the last couple of royalty statements were nothing. I mean, they wasn't in bookstores anymore anyway, uh, and they weren't really doing much by way of online sales either. Um, so uh, my, my agent convinced them that they weren't, you know, this wasn't going to be doing them, and holding on to it wasn't actually helping them because they weren't making any money off it. Right. That's what it boiled down to. Um, this, you know, gets harder and harder as, as you know, I mean, the... the it, it's it's because ebooks can keep things in print longer, but then right. again, you're still making money off it. So you know, usually everybody's happy. Um, in this case, you know, Dark Quest picked it up. Uh, I've got Goblin Precinct just finished. I'm also going to be doing a short story collection called Tales from Dragon Precinct. Okay, uh, it's going it's to have ten stories in it. Half of them are ones that have already been published in various anthologies over the last few years. Uh, five of them are going to be new ones that I'm going to write especially for the book. So. That's going to be fun. Doing, I love writing these characters. So, uh, so the your fondness for the world that this is. Kind of it's it's based on um, originally. Uh, it's, it's a fan, you know, it's your basic standard fantasy setting. You know, it's 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 a, a port town called Cliffsend, which has you know elves and dwarves and humans and trolls and stuff, and there are wizards and, and so on. Excuse me. And um, the the main characters are the Cliffsend Castle Guard. Their job is to maintain law and order 
within the city-state, and we follow a bunch of detectives around as they solve crimes, you know. Uh, there, there's a wizard on loan from the Brotherhood of Wizards who helps them out by, you know, casting what's called a peelback. He is the magical examiner. Uh, and, uh, and, and it goes on from there, and, and uh, the, the city-state is divided into five precincts. Griffin Precinct is the headquarters. That's the castle where they're, where they're headquartered, and that's what the, net, the fourth book is going to be, Griffin Precinct. Unicorn Precinct is the um, uh, high-class district. That's where all the rich people live. All the lords and, right. and, and nobility and whatnot. Dragon Precinct is the middle-class district. Goblin Precinct are the slums. And then Mermaid Precinct is the docks. Yeah. It just, it, it, I, I tried to fit fitting uh, creatures that went along with it, and it provided me with five book titles right there. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. So you have at least the... So we're releasing the third, but there's at least two more planned out. Yeah, I already have... I already know what the plot of Griffin Precinct is going to be, um, and that hopefully I'll be doing that in 2013, and then what may be the last book will be um, Mermaid Precinct. Um, if I go beyond that, I don't know. You know. So who knows? Yeah, that's, that's, that's far enough away that I don't have to think about right, it. Yet. Right, not yet. Uh, I also started another series, which is also a police procedural, but it's set in a city filled with superheroes. It's called SCPD, the Super City Police Department. First book was called The Case of the Claw. That came out last year electronically. Uh, the trade edition should be out fairly soon. Um, I'm hoping to have it out. But who's publishing that? That is being published by Crossroad Press, okay. which is a small press down in... in it's David... Uh, David Neal Wilson, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, same guy's doing the Scattered Earth and, right. and OCLT and, and a bunch of others. And uh, that is, um, that's out now. That, that's, that's sort of the wire meets the Avengers. Okay. Um, it's, it's also done very much as a police procedural, but a modern one. You know, it's, a, it's in a contemporary setting, but they have to deal with superheroes and all the attendant problems that causes. Like arresting, arresting a guy on a DUI who has no idea on him and doesn't say who he is, so they throw him in the tank, and then he wakes up, sobers up, and... Turns out he's a supervillain, and he blasts his way out of the uh, out of the the drunk tank with his his ability to fire ray beams. Right. So uh, and and you know one guy you know vigilante catches a, a purse thief, ties him up to a lamppost, and and goes off. Cops show up. There's no witnesses. There's no. There's just this guy tied to a lamppost. They have no idea what he's doing there. They don't know what. And so they wind up wasting a day processing this guy, and then they have to kick him. So basically, you take. What superheroes do and deal with the aftermath. Yeah, well, you know... The, the, because they don't really so, ever know, address Batman, that as superheroes, sure. right? Exactly, you know, Superman, you know, punches Lex Luthor in the jaw, hands him off to the cops and says, Take him away to jail, officers, and then what happens? Right. You gotta process them. You gotta, you know, you gotta arrest them, you gotta read them their rights, you gotta... You gotta All the legal aftermath. Yeah, yeah and deal with... And most and these guys don't testify in court. <laughs> you know, your primary witness is not somebody you can use. Um I do have one superhero in the city named the Bruiser, who, who actually his his identity is is public. He doesn't, you know, he's a uh, everybody knows who he is, and he's he's a street level guy. He lives in the in the slums, and and his 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 thing is to help clean up his neighborhood, uh, and he cooperates with the cops all the time, and the cops actually like him, you know? right? Um, you know, he'll come in and testify. He'll he'll do the whole thing. Uh, others, you know, they must protect their secret identity, so they do not, you know, they right. just they don't they don't get involved at all, which is. Uh, and there's, you know, things like, you know, kids having to deal with uh, being recruited, not just, not necessarily for gangs, but to be henchmen, um, and, and stuff like that. So, uh, and, and, you know, we've got, we've got, yeah, oh, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, the first book is called The Case of the Claw. And that is out electronically right now, but you will be out in paperback. Very, very soon. In fact, by the time you actually air this, it might even be out. Oh, right, very good. Um, it might be a month or so. There's, yeah, oh, then almost definitely, because I just, be uh, as, as we record this, um, the, uh, I just finished 
proofing the uh, design thing, and it right. doesn't. Then the, the the turnaround from that to the printed book is fairly quick. Very cool. So, um, third one is um, uh, part of the Scattered Earth, which is a, a shared world thing that was developed by David Neil Wilson, Aaron Rosenberg, oh, you, and you, Seville. And you wrote the psychics. Or the yes, psychics. yes, I did. I did a thing with with telepaths. Um, uh, it's called Guilt and Innocence. It's uh, the, the 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 premise of Scattered Earth is that there's the Earth is long gone. Right. Uh, but humanity has been reseeded by these incredibly powerful beings who were basically gods. They were they were the people who were worshipped as gods for, for a long time. And the, the ones... Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, air quote gods. <laughs> and, uh, um, they've each reseeded different planets with humanity, and each little sliver of humanity thinks that they're Earth. Right. And that they're the only ones. The, the long-term plan is to start bringing them all together. But uh, we're each establishing our own separate worlds. Aaron did his in, in uh, the Dread Remora stories that he's doing. David did um, Second, Second Veil, vale, which and, and he's working on the sequel to that and some short stories. And mine is the Olodomari Hegemony, which is actually an entire solar system uh, occupied by a, a group of humanity that, that uh, is based on West African culture. Um, okay. So that's... And they've, they've genetically bred psychics telepaths, to most of whom serve as covert government agents for the emperor who runs, the Oba, who runs the, uh, the solar system. And uh, somebody is, is kidnapping these agents who are called um, Orienu. And uh, he's, uh, the Oba of the Empire sends out uh, one of his Orishas, who are the guys who recruit and train them, to find out what's going on. He then gets blown up. Not fatally, but he's uh, uh, injured in an explosion, and so he has to send another Orienu to find out what's going on. And it much wackiness ensues as, it, as, as there's this conspiracy to overthrow the Oba. There, her memories start to come back because the, these telepaths are, are, have, their, have their memories wiped when they uh, start as operatives to make them, you know, perfect, pure agents. Mm-hmm. And in her case, it turns out there's a very good reason. She wanted her memory wiped. That was one. That was that. That was an incentive for her, <laughs> right. to, to to actually join the program, um, and because she finds out all sorts of horrible, horrible things about her past. Um, that came out last year. That's available in trade and, and electronically as well. Um, and uh, that I'm I'm going to be doing some short fiction, uh, uh, three three stories called Ola Damari stories, which are going to focus on three of the characters. Um, and that'll be out this year. Yeah, I'm hoping to have that out uh, in the spring, actually. Um, okay, good. That, and we'll probably make them available both as a, as a full collection, and also make the individual stories available eventually as well. If you just want to pick one or the other, um, and and then eventually the plan is to do Innocence and Guilt, which will be the sequel, uh, which will pick up on that. Um, I'm also um, so let's say a Goblin Precinct. Oh, and I'm, more, I'm also there's going to be a second SCPD book called Avenging Amethyst. Okay. Uh, which will hopefully be out this year. It'll depend on how other things go. How busy you are. Pretty busy, yeah. Um, I also, uh, this will be, by the time the podcast airs, this will be out. Uh, I'm working with Stephen Seville and a bunch of other writers on a project called Viral. It's a series of linked thriller novellas. All, the, 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 there's, a, there's a general theme running through all of them, but we're each doing our own little stories as part of it. This is, these are contemporary thrillers. Involving um, CIA plots and 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 uh, covert operator operations and dastardly deeds and, and, and stuff. I'm doing the lead story, uh, which is called Thirty uh, Dash Thirty Dash. It's it's the thing that journalists put used to put at the bottom of their uh, uh, articles when they turn them in to indicate that that's the end of it. And um, 
It's it's in collaboration with Steve, uh, and then a whole bunch of other people can be doing different ones, uh, different stories in the, in the thing. And the, the the umbrella title is called Viral. Uh, right. We're initially releasing it only on the Nook. We're doing it as a Nook exclusive to start, uh, and then but eventually down the line it'll be available on all the electronic. And we're probably going to put it in print eventually as well. Right. And but who is and who's publishing that? That's um uh, that's being done through Steven Seville's own okay. Uh, <coughs> Um, Little venture, small press, yeah, um, which I honestly don't remember the title of, which is embarrassing because it's right there in the yeah. contract that I signed. But <laughs> but uh, it'll it'll um, like I said, it'll be part of the Nook First program, so it'll get the uh, it'll get some promotion on Barnes and Noble site initially, and, and we'll, we're setting up a website for it. Um, I'll, there'll be a link to it on my website once it goes live. Right. Uh, my website is decandido.net, and that and uh, decandido.net is the place where you can order all these books. Yeah, so we're talking about all these books, and you can find links to where you can get them. Yes, right. it sounds yes. like you're writing more now since uh, you you and your fellow authors joined you know, create the Crazy Eights. Is that is that true? I mean, it sounds like you're you know. I'm, I have nothing to do with Crazy Eight, but <laughs> I. Um, I mean, I'm, not, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm, I've always been busy. Okay. You know, I mean, it's, it's. Last year, I had four novels out. I had, you know, Unicorn Precinct. And was that with? That we had talked earlier. This is with a job you were putting out four novels. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and although I'm not doing that anymore. Right. Goodness. So but now he's right. You're writing full time. I'm now. back to being full time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, from from 1998 to 2008, I was a full time freelancer. Right. I did. I was. I I would write an average of four novels a year. I did a lot of editorial work. I was the editor of the Corps of Engineers series for Pocket Books for a long time. I did a lot of other freelance editing. Now I'm doing other freelance editing for a, a company called Literary Partners, which does um, original ebooks. Um, and I'm doing some stuff for Dark Quest books. I'm doing some of my own work, uh, basically for private clients, uh, through right. what's called creditorial, is what I'm calling it. And um, what's, What do you mean by that? Just so for basically, people who want to have their novels edited will hire me to edit it for them. Okay. Um, whether they're publishing it themselves and need someone to edit it, or new writers who just feel they need another set of you know, professional to go over their manuscript. Um, and uh, links to that are on decandido.net as well. Um, you can you can go there and, and learn about that if you have if you have a manuscript that you feel needs you know a professional editor either because you want to get it ready to submit to publishers or because you want to publish it yourself or whatever. You they know. can. They find can, that information there and yeah, chat with you yeah. about costs. Yeah, and I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been an editor in the field since 1993. Um, so you know a little bit about what little, you're doing. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've run several different uh, science fiction lines. I, I, yeah, I ran the Corps of Engineers series for Pocket. That was a monthly series for uh, eight years. And um, I was the editor of the Marvel novels that were published in the late 90s that uh, Berkeley did. And... Um, and a bunch of other stuff as well, you know. This awesome. is, this is, this is I, I've done a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and there's one other project I have to mention because it's really, really cool. Um, IDW is getting into prose publishing. Okay. Uh, the comic book company is, is right. I was going to say that's comic books. Yes, but they they, they want to get into prose and they're leading with an anthology called V Wars, which was uh, it's an anthology that was developed and edited by Jonathan Mayberry. Okay. And the concept is, and it's a shared world thing, so we're all, you know, it's, it's actually, even though it's an anthology, we're actually, it, it's being done with the stories kind of broken up and all, as, as this major event happens, and we're each taking different parts of it. Um, it's, the idea is there's, uh, with the polar ice caps melting, a virus gets released that activates junk DNA, and what we find out is that vampires actually were real once, not like Bela Lugosi vampires or, or, or anything like that, but folkloric vampires have a basis in fact that the, these did happen, they all died out. But the genetic coding for it is still around, 
in our junk DNA, and this virus activates it. So you've got people who turn into vampires, but the vampires they turn into are the ones from the folklore of their ethnic heritage. Oh. Um, so you've got, you know, a Chinese-American guy who turns into a hopping ghost. You know, uh, stuff like that. Uh, my yeah, character cool. is a Haitian uh, character who turns into a loop guru. Some of these are, are more werewolf than vampire. Right. Uh, if you look at a lot of the vampire legends, there's... There's, there's a... Yeah, and, and there's... The, the line between werewolf and vampire is much... Um, fuzzier than Universal Pictures would have you believe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and the point is, none of these vampires are Bram Stoker vampires, or Anne Rice vampires, or Joss Whedon vampires, or, thank goodness, Stephanie Meyer vampires. Um, they're, they're, you know, these are the ones from the original folklore that these stories were based on, that, that, that Stoker was, was mining for his novel, and that, that other people have, have made use of. And, and we had a great, it's, it's, Sounds fun. Oh, it was. It was tremendous fun to do, and, and and if it does well, we'll be doing lots more, both not only in prose but po- uh, possibly in comics as well with IDW. Again, it'll depend on how well the book does. If the book, yeah. you know, if the book tanks, then we're not going to. Obviously, right. <laughs> but, uh, but it should do well. I mean, John- Jonathan Jonathan's name alone should help sell it because um, he's he's a wonderful writer and a great guy. Uh, Jonathan and I are, and Greg Frost, who also has a story in, in V Wars, we're part of a group called the Liars Club, which is a, a cabal of writers on the East Coast. And uh, we do a bunch of events. We actually did an anthology called Liar Liar. Uh, three of us have stories in there, as well as the other uh, ten, ten other members of the Liars Club. Uh, where stories in a bunch of different genres, but the the stories are about lying. Mm-hmm. Every story has lying at its heart, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a lot of fun. Jonathan did a Sherlock Holmes pastiche. Uh, Greg did a Dracula pastiche. I did an urban fantasy story with a, uh, a monster hunter character of mine, and uh, we had a lot of fun with that. Um, and that Liar Liar is also out. Uh, that's through Mendacity Press. Right. Right. The, the, the Liars Club's uh, little small press we put together. And the reality is, if you're listening to this, you don't need to keep track of all these presses. You can just go to, what's the site they can find Dependido. it on? net. Yes, and that will, uh, that will, that you will find all the information there and links to where you can find yes. You can keep up with Keith's incredibly busy life. Yes, and also the podcasts I do. And, and yes, I'm, you, I'm, I'm on the Chronic Rift. I'm um, one, one of the people involved with that. Uh, and I also do my own podcast, which is just <coughs> me talking about myself. <laughs> and that's Dead Kitchen Radio. Dead Kitchen Radio. Which, yes. by the way, I learned something new. Dead Kitchen Radio means is what? It's an anagram of Keith R.A. DeCandido. It's great. Um, I love and, that. And, well, somebody, it turns out, a, a friend of mine uh, is a big anagram junkie. She's one of those people who just loves anagrams. And she fed my name into an anagram generator and got all sorts of great stuff. <laughs> and she actually wrote an entire poem. Uh, called Dead Kitchen Radio, where each line was an anagram of my name. And so I'm, I'm, I decided to do a podcast, and I'm trying to figure out what to call it. And I realized, podcast, radio, it's perfect! That's so, awesome. Uh, so, so, so that was the name I went with, and, and uh, it, it, I, I'm quite pleased with it. I've, I've done over a dozen episodes now. I, I try to get it out on the 1st and 15th of every month. Very good. I don't always succeed, but <laughs> and it's just—it's yeah. just kind of insight into your world. Yeah, I, each each one focuses on a different project that I'm either working on now or that I used to work on in the past. I've done, I've done episodes where, like, I did one, each of those four novels that came out last year: the the Unicorn Precinct, uh, Guild and Innocence, Case of the Claw, and also my Dungeons and Dragons novel from last year right. uh, that came out under the Crimson Sun. The first four episodes were focused on those four projects. Yeah, you know? uh, and I do readings from the from the material as well. Um, in fact, the, the the next one I'm going to be recording will be out March 1st. Um, I'm going to be reading from the first viral story, 30. Um, Very good. Which I also read from here at Farpoint this weekend. And, 
you know, I, I eat, or, and there have been a couple episodes, like one where I talked about my three supernatural novels, and right. one where I talked about the Corps of Engineers series that I edited, um, and stuff like that. Very so. cool. And you also a part of, we mentioned earlier, but HG World. Yes. And tell yes. us a little bit about the premise of that, and this is, of course, is, for those of you who don't know, Sci-Fi Diner Podcast was... Was uh, was a Parsec uh, nominated one right. of the finalists, but HG World won the category. Right? You were in the same category. I don't think it was. I no, it was, yeah, because yeah, every was, category, but they won yeah. their category. So it's an yeah. excellent podcast. Tell us a little H- bit about HG World. Is actually an audio drama, which is why I was in a different category right. from you guys. It, it's it's a, a zombie apocalypse audio drama, basically. Uh, it's written by Jay Smith, and uh, it has it's it's uh, focuses on a small town called Wishwell, Pennsylvania, which is uh, in the heart of the. Uh, uh, in the ma- in the mountains in western Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and um, uh, my character is Todd Rage, who is a right an elderly right wing Vietnam veteran radio show host. This is why they call it acting. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he is he, he had he had an AM radio show which he did. He had a, a mountain retreat, which was sort of his, uh, you know, for 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 when the world comes to an end, he'll be ready. That's his bunker. And then the world actually did come to an end, <laughs> and, and that actually was his bunker. And uh, and that was where he he stays, and he had, you know he has plenty of supplies, um, and he stays up on the mountain and and fights off the zombies that try to come up the mountain. And he twice a day he broadcasts messages out to people, and he and he tries to you know keep track of what's going on and listen to radio signals and, and stuff. Um, and that the the main focus of the of the show is on the people down in Wishwell who are. Gathered in HG World, which is this big mall, right? Um, uh, that that had opened, and that that's where everybody. That's sort of the headquarters where people are holed up, and different people are coming there to gather to, to try to work with each other and try to survive and right. try to not get eaten. <laughs> and, uh, Does Jay Smith have a um, group of actors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. There's um, it's fully dramatized. Oh yeah, fully dramatized. Yeah, um, there, there's there's a whole bunch of really good voice actors who who do various and sundry parts. And there's some really great characters in there, including one guy who Jay had every intention of killing off, and then he just—he was such a cool character they had to keep try to keep him around as long as humanly possible. Um, and uh, a bunch of different people have been involved. Um, eventually, I have to actually write it, but he uh, Jay asked me and Dayton Ward and Elizabeth Donald and Terry Osborne to all do like guest episodes of HG World, which we're working on right now. Dayton so as far as writing them. Jay does most of the writing, okay. but the four of us, he asked the four of us to each do our own little HG World pieces that, mm-hmm. that we're doing over the course of the time, and that's on my schedule to do at some point. So <laughs> the to-do list, great. Yeah. Um, great. Well, mine is actually going to focus a little more on, on Todd's background, yeah. you know, some of the, uh, his life before the world came to an end. And um, the, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, and right. it's been doing really well for us, you know, obviously it got, uh, it got the Parsec Award, which is wonderful. Yeah, it's great. Congratulations. Um, thank yeah, you. I mean, that's a great, I mean, that's a great, especially in sci-fi, it's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's a fun little, little, uh, piece. I'm also, um, actually, there's two other audio dramas. One is called Gypsy Cove, right, which is done by Gypsy it. Productions. Uh, in fact, several of the Gypsy Cove people also work on HG World. It's, there's, there's a lot of crossover there. And, um, as part of the Chronic Rift Network, we've been doing an ongoing series that John Drew, our, our producer, does called The Dome, which is something John actually originally did, God, ten years ago. <laughs> the first episode, and um, uh, he's he's revived it and has added it to the to the Rift Network. It's a about it's a near future story about uh, paranormals who are who are taken by the government into a special facility called the Dome to help them learn how to use their their abilities. 
Awesome. And uh, and I, I do the voice of, of the new director of the dome called Annabelle Sanchez. And um, it's fun. I like doing voice work. It's 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 a fun little challenge, and and, and I, I enjoy doing it. And I especially love Todd. Todd Todd has become you know one of my favorite people to. to <laughs> I mean, it's somebody I would never get along with in real life. You know? <laughs> but uh, but it's fun to voice. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with here in the diner. Welcome back to the show. We have got to wrap up the show, Miles. You're right. But not before we give you our sci-fi five and five. And Miles, we got to talk about our sci-fi five and five tonight. Before we get into that, if you ever want to contribute to your own sci-fi five and five, just give us a call. 1-888-508-4343. Give us your top five things, worst five things in sci-fi, fantasy, or horror. And, um, and we'll play them on the show. You can also drop an MP3 to us if you want by emailing us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. Well, Miles, we're talking about Balticon tonight. Top five moments. Mm-hmm. Why don't you start with a moment and then I'll give another moment. Okay. And these won't be in any particular order. Uh, so, so one of the things that you, you might find this a little silly, but uh, I always like going back to the, to the Marriott Hotel. Sure, the the, uh, the the carpet is ugly, but that's part of its charm. It's just you just a, like the the corn cribs at the the bottom level there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. It just uh, it just feels like coming home whenever you go to the Marriott Hotel. It does. Mm-hmm. It does indeed. When uh, and so it was good. It was the first Balticon for us, and, right? But it, but it, there's some familiarity to it. It's something different, but something familiar. Um, I think uh, another moment, this is maybe number four on the list, was there were some really good panels. I know we went to different panels, but probably my favorite panel mm-hmm. has to be the panel I I heard on website development for authors. Oh, yes. I felt like I learned a lot. You were in on that panel, right? I saw it too. Uh, John Moreau uh, led it, and he did a fantastic job. Absolutely. And uh, if you're an aspiring author or you want to get your work out there, uh, this, this, this con offered you know, just what you pay to get in. Um, lots of good uh, advice. advice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, Did you have a favorite panel beyond that? Um, probably, um, probably the podcasting panel. The podcasting panel, mm-hmm. yeah. Which oh, the one on the favorite podcast, right? Oh, good. Mm-hmm. And what were some of the favorite podcasts? I mean, besides the Sci-Fi Diner. Well, of course, of course. Right. Uh, you know, um, well, I mentioned you know when 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 they asked some, name some of your favorite podcasts, I mentioned you know DVD Geeks, Gamma Quadrant, Delta Quadrant, um, Trekcast, um, Gatecast. So, um, so. So yeah, we I, I had a chance to also just kind of spread the word about our podcast a little there too. Oh, very good, very good. And uh, met a listen, I met, met a listener. At oh, the, uh, who'd you meet? I believe his name is Doug. If that's not your name, uh, please forgive me. But uh, uh, you introduced yourself at that pot, at that uh, panel, so we get, we got a chance to meet there. So we love you, Doug. Yes. Yeah. Uh, another top moment for me had to be hanging out the bar. After a lot of the panels were done, and just hanging out with Paul Cooley and John Miro, mm-hmm. John Miro was it, it was just fantastic to meet him after having him on the show and talking to him so many times and interacting with him on Twitter, right? Right. And then uh, to sit down with him and Paulie Cooley, who I wasn't familiar with, but J.P. Harvey and Steph Harvey said, "Hey, you got to check this guy out. Hit him up." Okay. So, and uh, it was certainly interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, one of my, you know, experienced a different kind of sci- sci-fi con. I mean, we've. All the ones I've been to in the past have been where they would have a guest or several guests from 
TV shows and movies, but this was strictly, um, you know, the guests were, were, were authors. Um, now they, they had other things out there. If you were fan, you know, at the panels, if, if, if you're fans of certain TV shows, there was artists, there mm-hmm. were musicians there, and artists, musicians, poets. Uh, I think they might have even there was a science track. They had, they had real science there. They they, they had um, a group out there putting out their you know, own movies on ninjas versus vampires. Ooh. So um, so it was a different kind of sci-fi convention. I'm glad it kind of broadened my horizons. Awesome, mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, you know, it was good. I, and, I, and again, I really did enjoy this. Oh, met Scott Ziegler. That's another highlight. Oh, yes. We so had, a, yeah. had a chance to get my photos snapped with him. He touched me. I haven't washed my shirt in weeks. <laughs> But uh, no, but we love Scott Ziegler, and mm-hmm. it was again the thing that made this con for me was just really hanging out. Right, right. I enjoyed the panels, learned a lot from the panels, and I'm sure that we went way over our five. But uh, a lot of good, good times. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one for me: um, making new friends like like, like Dave from the uh, Roundtable. Oh yes, we got to get Dave on here. Dave Robertson from yes. the Roundtable podcast. It's a writing podcast mm-hmm. where they brainstorm writing ideas for new stories, and they mm-hmm. bring on authors like Nathan Lull and mm-hmm. Mer Lafferty and others. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, John Miro is going to be on it. It's, it, it, I mean. He was just a phenomenal person. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed hanging out with him and talking to him. So I look forward to, you know, getting. You know, we will on. get him on the show. So, you know, um, Dave, if you're listening, you're going to be on the show. So, m- m- Dave, maybe we'll see you at short leave this year. Yeah, maybe. That'll yeah. be awesome. That'll be awesome. So, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Anything else? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna just, um, one of my last ones is just meeting and, and hanging out with John Merrill. We, we, we talked about it already, but not only is he. Not only have I enjoyed his stories, but he's just a, a great guy. I he's mean. a genuinely nice guy. And if, if, if he lived local, I'm sure you know, we, we'd become fast friends with him. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, we, absolutely. We, we are becoming fast friends with him now. Yep. Hey, we love you, John. Yes. So, you know, it was just great. It, uh, again, I can't speak highly enough. Not only is he a great writer, but is mm. a very decent human being. Absolutely. So, so these are our sci-fi 5 and 10. Something like so, that. So, something <laughs> like that. So uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And if you want to find out other, uh, other information about how to contact us or join the various things we're part of, you can visit us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. Actually, Sci-Fi Diner Podcast.com will get, get you there. And the email I just read you will get you an email to us. Yes. And so I believe that's about it, Miles. All right. Well, till next time, good night and good luck. We will see you.